0: Welcome to tonight's Saturday Night Special, episode 181.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Rob Kretschak. I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to find a way to not lose sight of the importance of people is key, and one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, with my friend Scott Mater. And today, the average American is spending 12 hours and 21 minutes a day in front of screens and media. Or put another way, we're spending three-quarters of our waking lives in front of screens and media. And so that proportion has almost exactly flipped. Instead of spending 90% of our time with people, we're almost spending 90% of our time with screens. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast.
0: If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In tonight's Saturday Night Special, I interview Rob Krechek. Rob shares with you what technology mindfulness is and why it matters. He shares with you how there are concerns about how we use technology today and how it is impacting us. And Rob also shares some tips on what you can do to improve the use of technology and how it affects you. You know, one area that a lot of folks need some help with is around the area of productivity. Getting not just more things done, but actually getting the right things done can be really tough. I've got a course called Productivity for Your Passion that's designed to help you do this and then to hold you accountable and walk with you so that you can tailor productivity not just to be getting more done, but actually getting the right things done. What's more, we take the approach of looking at your personality and how you actually look at things in the world and tailor the productivity system to your personality. Because the truth is, a lot of the systems that are out there are written really well for somebody with a particular personality type. But if you have a different approach to things, they just don't work. But there's tools and techniques and approaches that you can take that will work for anyone. And we help you do that in productivity for your passion. Check it out over at inspiredstewardship.com launch. Rob Krejcik is a thrill-seeker, self-professed nerd, question asker, voracious reader, competitor, keynote speaker, and business builder. When he first got his Wall Street job as a sell-side equity analyst out of college, he thought he'd made it. After buying everything he wanted on his wish list, he realized that he still wasn't happy. He listened to his deep-down desire to help more people by leaving finance to eventually own three anytime fitness health clubs and four you-break, I-fix cell phone repair stores. As someone vulnerable to technology's addictive hold from a young age, video games and Facebook in particular, Rob is on a mission to help individuals and companies reduce burnout and get back time to master their careers and lives. He founded Humans First to provide a one-on-one kind coaching experience that analyzes and coaches people's efficiency and energy by paying attention to their mindfulness with technology. Rob thinks there is always something to be learned from everyone, and he lets his curiosity guide his conversations. In his spare time, he likes to do CrossFit, better himself through reading, travel, and spending time with his wife, Nikki.
1: Welcome to the show, Rob. Yeah, thank you, Scott. I'm really grateful to be here. appreciate the opportunity to chat with you.
0: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to having a little bit of insight and picking your brain a little bit about this. So, we ancient, In the intro, I mentioned technology mindfulness is the area you work on. I'm a firm believer in kind of defining terms because I think a lot of times we use words and it's like, oh, everyone knows what that means. No, everybody doesn't know what that means. So what do you mean by technology mindfulness?
1: Yeah. So the way that I define technology mindfulness is being aware of ways that you're using technology so that it serves you instead of you being enslaved to it. Okay.
0: So if that is your definition, how do people do that? What do we look for that makes it clear, first off, <laughs> that maybe we need to do this because we're a slave to technology? And then what do we what are some of the things we can do about it?
1: Yeah. So the way that I it is think about, and obviously you're not this old, you can't think about it. But when 40 when technology came out about 40 years ago, we first, when people first got cell phones or pers- first got personal computers at their houses, technology did incredible and amazing things for us. And it still does now, but every single thing technology did back then was a huge leap forward in terms of communication or processing power. And it was all good for humanity, basically. Now we've eclipsed the point where all technology is good. It's not all good for us anymore. And so the goal of my entire company, Humans First, is to educate people and help them be aware of the ways that they might be using technology that doesn't serve them well, so that then they can decide what they want to do with that information and maybe potentially change their behavior. And the thing is just there's a lot of ways that technology is manipulating us or affecting our mind and body or sometimes both that we don't even know, or we're not even aware of that. And then we're doing it sometimes minute to minute, right? Like the average person, for instance, checks their email once every six minutes during the day, during their workday.
0: And by the way, when you said that out loud, somebody just went and checked their email.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And so what we don't realize is, and what all the data shows is checking your email stresses you out. So, we're literally doing this event where every six minutes we're stressing ourselves out. And so, if I just, if every single person that was checking their email in the world, which, oh, there's 4.2 billion people connected to the internet. So, it's probably several billion people a day check their email. If every single one of those two couple billion people knew that they were stressing themselves out by checking their email, my thought would be or my hope would be maybe they would check their email slightly less or use some other strategies to check their email differently and that would make a substantial increase and in improvement in their life and they would be much happier like that mm-hmm. to me is very motivating and that's why I'm excited to share this information with people so
0: what are some of the you so you mentioned checking email every 6 minutes what are some of the top quote symptoms that people have that might trigger the thought that uh, technology mindfulness is something they need to pay more attention to
1: yeah that's a, that's a great question Scott and I and again like I personally experienced the negative effects of technology I can just tell a quick story and then answer your question when I was in high school I had really bad acne it was very crippling for me and it really resulted in low self-esteem for me and made it hard for me to connect with people but one of the side effects of that was that I actually became addicted to video games and this was in the mid 90s before most people even had a cell phone and I saw the negative effects of technology before most people were even using it. And then at other points in my life, I also became addicted to Facebook and I excessively used my email. And so I've seen negative fe- effects from technology for me in three different areas of my life. And that's something that I'm, I'm, I am i want to prevent other people from going through like I did. But I think for the average person, if they're thinking that they rely too much on technology or they're using it and they don't want to, or they feel like they have a love-hate relationship with technology, those are, or clearly they're spending way too much time on it. Those to me are some signs that you might want to just start thinking a little bit about how you use it and why you're using it and what and how it's serving you and maybe make a few changes. But again, that's really up to you and you have to decide what's best for you. I'm not here to tell you like, here's the seven ways that you should, here's the seven things you should do. I just want to give you the information and then you decide what you do for yourself. Cause maybe what serves me well, doesn't serve you well and vice versa. And I don't think I
0: hear you saying
1: that we should destroy all technology
0: and Luddites, throw all the computers in the ocean and <laughs> that kind of thing
1: either. Is That's not really the message either. Right? No. And to be clear, like I'm a nerd. I built my first computer in middle school love technology. I, I built
0: my first one when I was 12. So nice, <laughs> right, there, <nice>. right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you get it, right? And so the way I describe it is I'm not anti-technology. I'm pro-humanity. Mm. I'm pro-humanity. And so I do love technology. It does amazing things for us. It makes our lives way better, but without some knowledge about how to use it or how it could be affecting us, it can be bad for us too, or it can harm us. So part of it then is, I guess that's the mindfulness word part, right? It's right. about intentionality or
0: using it with mindfulness. That's why that shows up in there.
1: Yeah. And in another word I like to use is being deliberate. I want to be deliberate with my use so that I can get the most out of it while it doesn't having it negatively impact me the least. So you
0: shared the story, the early story you had of, of video games, Facebook, and email. Why did you get into technology mindfulness? Brought you to founding
1: Human First and thinking about this as something that you wanted to share. Yeah, the origin story for Humans First I can tell quickly to the listeners. So I was so I. It's interesting that I feel like Humans First is a collaboration of all the things I've done in the past, and as my my career joke that I have career AD, right? So I used to be a sell-side equity analyst. I covered medical device and pharmaceutical companies. So I was a stock analyst researching those types of companies. So that helped me with the business the business side of things and the finance side. But then I also really love health and fitness. And so I owned three anytime fitness health clubs. And then I also owned four You Break, I Fix, cell phone repair stores. So you look at my career and you say, it's crazy. I did slash finance, then health and fitness, and then technology. And Humans First really combines all three of those. And what happened was one day I was at one of my cell phone repair stores in Brookfield, Wisconsin, and this middle-aged woman came in with her son. And he was maybe 15 years old, I'm just guessing. And she was literally shoving him up to the front counter. She was physically pushing him to the front counter. And she said, hey, Tyler, you need to tell this man what you did to your phone. And the kid had broken his phone. And I felt terrible for him because he looked at me and he could barely stammer out a sentence. He could barely have a conversation with me about how he had broken his phone. And that my heart went out to him because I related and I felt like it was I was looking at myself when I was in high school and had the bad acne. But we fixed his phone and everything went fine and he went on his way. But then I started paying attention. And a couple of weeks later, a very similar scenario happened where someone came in, a parent came in with their daughter who was about the same age and she could barely talk to me either. And what I started realizing is that this same scenario kept on happening over and over. And then I had the aha moment. I said to myself, "What? these kids are probably very heavy technology users because they're coming into the store to get their phone repair right away when it gets broken. Maybe it's because of how much they use technology or how they use technology that they can't have a normal conversation with me. And so maybe technology is the cause of that. And so I started r- reading a bunch of books and researching this. And then four years and a hundred books later, two thousand articles and studies later, and almost 50 notebooks worth of notes later. I feel like I am not, I don't totally understand the subject as the best I would like to, but I feel like I understand it very well. And I'm really trying to understand the true problem that humanity has with it to a very deep level.
0: As you started doing that research and digging in. What are some of the things that you came across that concerned you about how we use technology today?
1: Oh man. Here's the way I would describe And don't give us all 100 books and 2000 articles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the simplest way that I can describe the macro my in my opinion the macro view of what's happening to humanity. So I think the technology is simultaneously doing two things. One, it is increasing the day-to-day and sometimes minute-to-minute stress that we experience. While two, on the other hand, it is degrading our ability to deal with that stress because it is diminishing our social support systems and communities and relationships. And those are incredibly critical for us to be able to tolerate stress. So more stress less perceived social support both of those uh, both of those phenomena are acting on the same equation and they're both going in the wrong direction and that is why i believe we have this mental health crisis way more stress all the time and way less ability to deal with it and it's all and the root cause is how and how much we use technology so how do you how do you think you just mentioned the social
0: systems and the support systems that we have and yeah. you know the example of the people that young men that weren't able to have a conversation with you about their phone. How do you see technology impacting our relationship?
1: So a couple of the most staggering statistics that I heard in my research are the following. And I almost, some of these, I didn't believe I like had to double check and triple check the sources because it seemed like, like a clickbait article, right? <laughs> but uh, The first one is the average American hasn't made a friend in the last five years, which to me is really sad. How is that even possible that in America where we have 350 million people, the average person hasn't made a friend in a half a decade? That to me is really sad. But one of the other ones was this. In 2020, the most Googled fear was a fear of other people the very thing that makes us most human connecting with other people is now the thing that we fear the most. And I get that that was because of COVID, but the point is that regardless of what it was from, we still now fear the thing that makes us most human. And if you think about humans 50,000 years ago, when we were cavemen and cavewomen, Life consisted of three things, hunting, gathering, and socializing. And social scientists estimate that when we were cavemen, we spent about 90% of our time socializing with other humans. And today, the average American is spending 12 hours and 21 minutes a day in front of screens and media. Or put another way, we're spending three quarters of our waking lives in front of screens and media. And so that proportion has almost exactly flipped. Instead of spending 90% of our time with people, we're almost spending 90% of our time with screens. And I don't think that's a, that's clearly we can't be having relationships if we're spending time with screens. They're not, and I'm not saying they're totally mutually exclusive, but for the most part, they are. You're not on your cell phone with your best your five best friends and you're all staring at the same cell phone. You're on your cell phone looking at it by yourself. Mm -hmm. And yeah,
0: but we're talking on screens right now. Totally. So what about when technology does help a connection?
1: Is does it work at all or is it completely, you know, useless? Great question, Scott. And here's the way I would say it's a I view all technology like it's a tool, right? It's a tool to facilitate things. Just like if I have a hatchet and I can use it to chop down a tree and start a fire to save my life in a very cold environment, I can also use a hatchet to chop off someone's head and kill them. And technology can be used in a good way for social things or in a bad way. But here's something that I want to share with the listeners that I don't think anyone is not, it's not on people's radar. I'll tell a quick story about my grandma. My grandma and I, were ch- we chatted on the phone a bunch during the pandemic. I would call her every couple months because she's like 85 years old. And I just wanted to check in with her and see how everything was going. So we chatted on the phone and I enjoyed talking to her. But finally, after we were able to see each other in person, the very first thing that she said to me was, Rob, come here and give me a hug. And I thought that, that was really interesting, right? Because we had talked the, the whole pandemic and why would she want to hug? And the reason is, there are two chemicals that are released when humans are in person and especially when there's warm human touch those chemicals are serotonin and oxytocin mm-hmm. and those the those the greatest amounts of those chemicals are released when we're in person with people and when we have physical contact and the amounts of those are diminished or greatly reduced or sometimes almost eliminated when we have when we do digital communication and so for instance me telling my mom I love you mom and giving her a hug we interpret that in our brain totally differently than if I text my mom, "I love you, Mom." But all the think about the way almost all of our communication is going. It's almost all going to digital digital format. And so even the Zoom call, for instance, we would have a different level of connection if we were in the same room, Scott, just because of what's called limbic resonance or our ability to sense each other's energy and emotions and feelings and thoughts in person. It doesn't translate the same over a screen, even with Zoom, even with video. It's not right. the same.
0: The mirror ne- neurons don't engage the same way. Our ability yes. to, yeah, yeah. And for listeners, mirror neurons are literally, we have... Little cells in our brains that's whole job is to say, hey, he's smiling. I should probably smile and I should feel better. Or, oh, he looks upset. I should figure out why he's upset because maybe I've done something wrong. And it, it mirrors other people's emotional state, in a literal neurobiological way. Did I get that right?
1: <laughs> yeah, perfect explanation. I love that.
0: And it, it's also why sometimes to go back to that you've. I think every listener has probably had that experience of having a conversation with somebody and going, something's wrong. And I have no idea what's wrong or why. I just know something's wrong. It doesn't feel right. And that's actually how I will say it. Now, screens. So, I guess what I heard you saying is the screens can help, the phone call can help. Those are, it's not that that's a bad thing it's that it's not as good of a thing as continuing to make sure you've got the physical contact and actual true connection in a non-digital realm as well. Does it replace it?
1: Well, yeah, that's a great way of saying it, Scott. And think about this. So how many times have you talked to, a? let's say you have a 15-year-old son or daughter and you say to him, hey, how's, how are things going? Have you talked to your friends today? And you ask them that and then they're like, oh, yeah, I talked to my friends. And when your son or daughter says, I talked to my friends, what they mean is I texted back and forth with my friends. And when you and I would say, I talked to my friends, it would be like we had a phone call or we talked to them face to face. But for 15 year olds, the literal, the definition of talking is changed for a lot of them or maybe all, most of them. And so I think that, that is the danger of this, right, is we're. According to our age or stratified by age, we are changing our definition of what it means to have a relationship or be with someone or talk to them even. And I don't think that those are good for humanity. Like the direction that those changes are going isn't good for humanity. And that's why I want to raise awareness of this for people so that if you have a 15-year-old, you could say, Hey, what do you what if you gave your friend a call? Or what if, hey, what if I brought you over to your friend's house and you <laughs> my friends would all think I'm weird. <laughs> that's what the 15-year-old would answer. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe they need to do something uncomfortable once in a while. Maybe they needed to have that face-to-face conversation. And even if it's uncomfortable the first few times, or, or that's even okay. just,
0: why don't y'all actually get in the car, fifty, maybe not 15-year-old, but 16-year-old at least. Why don't mm. you actually get in the car to go over to their house or, or go out to eat together or yes. whatever, hang out. Absolutely. And by the way, that's what they would call We're hanging out. We're not talking if we're actually physically <laughs> together, right? Yeah. That 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 makes sense. But it, I think most listeners would probably agree that there are probably some places in their life where technology is getting in the way. Uh, Uh, I think email and Facebook are probably the two biggest buckets would be my guess or social media. If you want to broaden it out of just Facebook, Uh, and I guess phones would be the third one, right? Yeah. Reflexively. Mm -hmm. Every time we've said phone, somebody has picked up their phone and looked at it. It's just natural, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I know I find myself doing that sometimes reflective. I just literally put my phone down at a turn and do something and pick the phone back up.
1: Yeah, like, why did I do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> why did
0: I do that? So, when you find some of those areas that you're struggling, what are some of the tips or what are some of the simple things that people can do to begin to improve the way they have a relationship with technology?
1: Yeah, I love that. And first, though, what I'll do, Scott, is I'll quantify exactly what you just said, and you're totally correct. So, again, the average person is spending in America, is spending 12 hours and 21 minutes a day in front of screens and media. And so the average white-collar worker is sending and receiving 126 emails per day. If you assume for a second that it's two minutes to process every email, that's almost exactly four hours of time. Then the average person in America also spends two hours and 14 minutes per day on social media. So just with email and social media alone, that's about six hours and 14 minutes. That's literally almost exactly half of the 12 hours and 23 minutes, almost perfectly half. And so if you think about, okay, even if I could just cut those numbers in half, I would save three hours a day. That's half a work week, half a work week, not a half work day, half a work week. And yeah, I would want to get a half a work week back. Absolutely. So here are some of the things that I do. And again, I think it's incredibly important that listeners understand that you will be way more successful with technology mindfulness if you craft your technology use in a way and or structure it in a way that allows you to use it in a good way instead of relying on willpower. Let me give you an example. When I was addicted to Facebook, I realized this because I was checking Facebook at red lights and in elevators and filling every 20second segment of my day with Facebook and I'm like this is crazy what am I doing on my phone all the time and so I would just say to myself okay I'm gonna I realize I'm doing this I'm gonna just try not to use Facebook a lot I also have ADHD and so I'm very easily distracted right and despite me being very mindful of it and using my brain and I feel like I'm a very disciplined person I still used it all the time. All, still, right? And so what I here's what I did instead. One of the first things I did is I took the Facebook app and I moved it to the very last page of my apps on my phone. Now there's a little bit more tension or friction in order for me to use Facebook. And that for sure reduced my use quite a bit. But then the next thing I did as a second step was I completely deleted it off my phone. But what I told myself is, I'm still going to allow myself to use Facebook, but I have to use it from a laptop or a computer. And so that will force me to be much more deliberate and intentional with my use. And now I literally can't even use it from my phone. And so, of course, then my phone use went to zero because it, I had to. And then what I realized is I don't really miss it or use it that much on the computer. And so I got myself away from it that way. But notice that even though I was aware of it and very mindful of it, when I had it on my phone, there was still no resisting it because it's Mm -hmm. so addictive. It is so easy to use that I structured my technology use in a way that was much more conducive to serving me well.
0: And so listeners will actually be familiar with some of the terms you just used because one of the things I talk about in the podcast, if they've listened for a while, is creating friction and smoothness meaning mm. if you want to make something easy make it smoother if you want to make mm-hmm. something hard create friction that's a great example of you are creating friction around something that you no longer wanted to do mm-hmm. and basically you continue to increase the friction levels until you got to a point where you're like i actually want this after all i <laughs> never mind absolutely and you can do the same thing the other direction making things smoother too if there is some getting outside taking a walk that make it easier for you to take a walk, get get your clothes out ahead of time, plan the route, do all of these things. Yeah.
1: Or as a super simple example, let's say you wanted to try to be more mindful about taking a break from technology and taking a walk every day at 2 p.m. What you could do is set an alarm that goes off every day at 2 p.m. And when it rings, go, oh, that's my cue to go outside. And you would hear it, right? Like You would set an actual alarm on your phone. So again, super simple. It literally requires almost no effort. But then, when you hear that alarm every day, you're like, "Oh yeah, now this is my cue to go outside." That's one way that, in my opinion, using technology is serving you well, and that's great. Mm-hmm. And, and I encourage those that that type of use. It's the
0: um, again taking a step back. It's the first step is really the mindfulness part, not the technology. Even though it's technology right. mindfulness it's really being mindful of technology is really what you're saying. Yeah. So I have got a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests, but before I go there, is there anything else that you think was really important that you'd
1: like to share about the work that you do? Yeah. Here's one thing that I guess I gotta kind of challenge listeners to do this, right? And, and again, I, and I'll just take social media as an example. The average list, the average American is on social media two hours and 14 minutes a day. Here's the challenge I would have to listeners: I'm not asking you to stop your social media use. I'm not even asking you to delete it from your phone. What if you though just took your social media use and you cut it in half every day? So you had about an extra hour a day, and then with that hour, you took that and you spent it. With someone that you cared about, whether that's grabbing dinner with them, coffee, you make a phone call and talk to someone you care about, or hey, even you just sit with your spouse on your couch and you connect with them and just talk with them. I promise you that the amount of joy and happiness and meaning you would get in your life is infinitely better when you spend that time in person or over the phone with someone instead of spending time on social media. I promise you that. And so my challenge would be to just try that for a week cut your social media time in half, not get rid of it, but cut it in half and then try to spend it with someone that extra hour with someone that you care about. I really believe that your life will be so much better for doing that.
0: And if you don't have somebody you care about, go make a new friend because then you change go. that first stat. The, <laughs> <you> know, <Yeah. laughs> no friends in five years. When Yeah, you know, I've, absolutely. I try to think Have I made a new friend in the last five years, I think I have. Actually, no, I know I have. I made a new friend earlier this year and we went and had dinner with him just the other day. Yeah. I had to stop and think for a minute. It's like, have I actually done that or not? Mm. Anyway. Nice. So here's my brand is inspired stewardship, but I, I use that word, but like we talked about at the beginning of the show, I've also discovered that I use the word and not everybody hears or means the same thing when they hear the word stewardship that I do. So I like to ask other people, what does the word stewardship mean to you and what, does that understanding have to do with or how does that impact your life
1: yeah so to me being a good steward is like caring for the people in your life in a way that again i like to use the phrase serves them and you it's and again i to say to use a word from my vocabulary it's being mindful of how you're interacting with and taking those people into account with your actions your thoughts and your words
0: and so how does that
1: understanding play out in your life? That's, it's really like the purpose of my whole brand, right? Is <laughs> the purpose of my entire company humans first is to get people to think of other humans more. It literally like that's in the name of the company. And my hope is that when people hear this information, that they will take a li- little bit less time with their technology and put a little bit of more care and time and have more stewardship with the people in their life. That to me is like what makes this world li- worth living in, like being with and being around other humans and connecting with the hearts and souls of other people. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're on this earth for. So this is my favorite question of the show, though I've been
0: told by some guests that it's not their favorite. So we'll see how you feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I invented this magic machine and I was able to pluck you from where you are today and transport you magically into the future, maybe 150, 200 years. And through the power of this machine, you were able to look back on your entire life and see all of the connections, all of the relationships, all of the ripples and that you've left behind. What impact do you hope
1: you've left on the world? Oh, man. So I love this question. I really like this question. And I've if I told you how often I thought about something similar to this, you probably, it would probably surprise you. But I, my life's goal, and I have this piece of paper that I've spent many hours writing, my life's goal is to positively impact the lives of 1 billion people while still being a great husband, father, and friend. And that's really what I'm hoping to do with Humans First. I, there are 4.2 billion people connected to the internet And I know that if they knew what I knew about how technology is impacting them, their lives would be totally different. And that's why I'm so motivated and excited to share this information with people because I know that even a small piece of information, if widely disseminated, could make such a huge difference in people's lives. That's really exciting to me. And so I would just hope that people would look back on my life and say, That was the guy that helped us with technology, mindfulness. That was the guy that helped us use technology in a way that served us well. That would be really rewarding to me.
0: So what's on the roadmap? What's coming next for you
1: as you continue on this journey? Yeah. I'm just looking to accomplish our mission of helping humanity understand how technology impacts mental health, relationships, and productivity at work. And one of the other things I, I didn't really talk too much about, but I also am a consultant and I help guide companies to officially transition from a five day work week to a four day work week with no loss in productivity or profitability. And when I say a four day work week, four eight hour days, not four 10 hour days, and the employees get the same pay. And the way that I use that, or I, the way that I do that, is through technology mindfulness and helping people use technology differently. And that's what's in my immediate future is helping more companies to do that because i feel like the four day work week is something where in 10 years it's going to be the standard it's not going to be the it's not going to be the outlier or the unusual thing like remote work was 10 years ago when obviously covid accelerated that trend incredibly i really view the four day work week as something that in 10 years is going to be on the forefront of everyone's mind mm.
0: You can find out all about Rob over on his website at humansfirst.us. Of course, I'll have a link to that over in the show notes as well. Rob, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener?
1: Yeah, Scott, absolutely. One thing that I wanted to do is offer a free 30-minute consultation with me about technology mindfulness. So all that your listeners need to do to redeem that free call is to email me. You can email me at rob, R-O-B, at humansfirst.us. If you just put in the subject line that I listened to the Inspired Stewardship podcast and wanted to redeem that 30-minute consultation. You can email me again at rob at humansfirst.us. And then I'm happy to connect with you and see how I could help you with your technology mindfulness. Awesome.
0: I'll make sure I add that to the show notes as well so that folks can find the email there. And we'll make sure that folks do that. That sounds like an awesome opportunity. And thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Thank you, Scott. Really appreciate being on the podcast today.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word